Hello and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 223. We've been on a bit of a hiatus for a little while, but we're hoping to get back in the spring of things with a new format for the podcast. So my name is Mike Anello. I'm Ultimike on Drupal.org. And the new format is going to be something where we put together individual segments over the course of a couple weeks. And when we have enough segments, we will put them together into a new podcast episode. So this will hopefully make it easier for more people to get involved and uh, make the overhead of recording one kind of big, long 90-minute podcast all at once a little bit easier. So in today's episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast, I have talked with Leslie Glynn, last year's Aaron Winborn Award winner, about the nominations for the Aaron Winborn Award 2020 being open. And I also have a conversation with Mauricio Denarte, who uh, late last year in 2019 wrote a series of 31 blog posts about migrating to Drupal 8. Some really, really solid stuff there. Along the way, we've got some other information and maybe a surprise or two, and I hope you enjoy the new format. And if you or someone you know wants to contribute a segment, either an interview or maybe a little tech talk or something like that, feel free to email me at info at drupaleasy.com. That's info at drupaleasy.com. The Aaron Winborn Award is an award that the Drupal community gives out once a year to an individual who demonstrates personal integrity, kindness, and above and beyond commitment to the Drupal community. And I am pleased that uh, joining us for this segment is last year's recipient of the award, Leslie Glenn. Leslie, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to have you on um, basically to ask you a few questions and talk about the fact that nominations for the 2020 award are now open. So the award, um, you were the fifth recipient of the award. Uh, you were preceded by Kathy Faze in 2015 and then Gabor Hot I can I never know if I'm saying his name right. And I've asked him specifically this and he's told me the answer that I quickly forget. So hopefully I said his name somewhere close. Uh, anyway, Gabor was in 2016, and Nikki Stevens in 2017, and Kevin Thull, or Toll, gosh, I should probably know how to pronounce his last name, too. Um, in 2018, Kevin's the one who does all of the uh, Drupal event session recordings. And then last year, it was you, Leslie. Um, so I'm going to uh, go out on a limb here, even though I know the answer, that this was quite a surprise to you when, when we informed you about this. Yes, it was. It was quite an honor, but a very unexpected honor. So tell me, I think we've talked about this in the past. I don't exactly recall the answer, but did you know Aaron? I, I didn't know him personally, but I did meet him. Um, I was at uh, Nice Camp at the UN, I think it was 2013, and I was fortunate enough to listen to Aaron give the keynote speak. Uh, speech. Um, his wife and daughters were actually sitting in the row with me, uh, which was, you know, hard, hard. He was in a wheelchair and he was using, you know, the assistive technology to give his um, keynote. But he did talk about the the Meteor Initiative and how, you know, thrilled he was to have worked on that and how many people had helped him. So it was it was very good to, you know, to have seen him in person and very sad, sad at what happened, you know. Yeah, he passed away in 2015 from uh, ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. 
And prior to that, for a number of years, he was one of the um, leads of, I don't think at the time it was called it the Media Initiative, but um, he was one of the maintainers or co-maintainers of the, of the media module and you know, kind of a, um, uh, you know, one of the designers of, of, of all the media stuff that was in previous versions of Drupal. So we have coming up um, in a couple months, DrupalCon Minneapolis, where the next recipient of the Aaron Winborn Award will be announced and introduced to everybody. Nominations are now open. So if you go to drupal.org slash Aaron dash Winborn dash award, you will see um, a nomination form where you can basically nominate anyone in the community um, for this award. You know, we ask you to um, answer a couple of questions as far as, you know, uh, you know, why does this person just deserve the award? What have they done or what are they doing in the community, in your opinion, to help them um, deserve uh, this award? Uh, nominations are open through March 30th. So, Leslie, I'm curious. Um, so you are, as, as a previous winner, you are now uh, officially an, a voter for the award. Um, so I don't know if, uh, if everyone's aware of this, but the community is, um, uh, makes the nominations. And then the community working group, which is myself and Jordana Fung, Alex Burroughs, and George Demet, along with previous winners, the ones I've mentioned earlier, um, we actually cast votes. We have a ranking system in order to uh, determine the winner. So uh, how do you feel about participating in that process this year? <clears throat> oh, it's an honor. There's so many great people in, in the Drupal community around the world doing a lot of, you know, great things uh, for the community. So I'm, I'm excited about, you know, who gets nominated and being part of the process to, um, you know, to give somebody that, you know, um, that the, the award this year. Yeah, I will tell you, it's incredibly difficult. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts how difficult it is. Um, we actually use um, uh, a, a ranking system where we pick our top, I forget if it's our top three or our top five picks or something like that um, in order to determine the winner. But it's never easy. And we always kind of, you know, um, in the best possible way, complain and moan about the process because it's so difficult because we're so blessed to have so many um, worthy people in our community. Right. That, that's, that's true. There are so many, you know, people who have done so much and continue to do so much for the community. That's kind of, the, I guess that's the, that's the problem we want to have, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> it's a great community. All right. Well, very good. So again, nominations are open until March 30th. So head on over to drupal.org slash Aaron dash Winborn dash award and nominate someone for this award. And we will all find out in DrupalCon Minneapolis who this year's recipient is. Leslie, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Mike. And uh, make sure everybody nominates somebody. Because um, like I said, there's a lot of great people and you know, give them the recognition they deserve with a nomination. Yeah, don't assume that someone else is gonna nominate the person you have in mind. Exactly. Yeah, we all, you know, every year we have um, nominations come in. Uh, that, uh, the same person is nominated multiple times. And that's, you know, that's kind of always interesting to see. But um, don't assume that, you know, someone you think is worthy is, is going to be nominated by someone else. Go ahead and fill out that. It's a, actually a pretty short form. And, and tell us and tell us why. Excellent. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Leslie. Thank you. 
All right. Thank you, Mike. Hold up there. I want to. Uh, I want. I want to stop you. Stop what you're talking about right there, Mike. Whoa, and uh, whoa, 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 whoa! How'd you get on here, Mike Herschel, co-organizer of Florida Drifting? <laughs> Don't you just worry about that. Just let it, it. It it happens. It happens. And 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 I'm here to tell you about you guessed it, Florida Drupal Camp, which is happening the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of February. That sounds fantastic. Tell me more. I don't know anything about Florida Drupal Camp. Yeah, absolutely. So it's guaranteed to be exactly 75 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 23 degrees Celsius those three days, and it's going to be sunny. I love the guarantees. What else can you guarantee? <laughs> I can guarantee an alligator. <laughs> There's going to be an alligator there. Can you? We've done the alligator, what, twice now? I feel like it's a, we should. It's a big hit. People like doing selfies with the alligator. Mm, all right, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 happening. Uh, we're also going to guarantee of uh, one day full of trainings, uh, one day full of sessions, and then a half day of uh, sessions and half day code sprint. And I'm also going to guarantee about 225 people. Is it a code sprint or a contribution oh, day? Crap again! <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a contribution sprint. Uh, you wow. can edit that out so Amy June Highline does not. I will not be editing anything out. Oh no! You, your shame will be uh, public <laughs> for the world to hear. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Well, so where, um, where can people register and, and propose sessions? Oh yeah, that's very important. So um, it is at fldrupal.camp. Uh, you can register today for $50. That's the early bird price. It will go up to $75. You can propose sessions today. And um, the camp is in Orlando, Florida. So uh, Orlando has connections pretty much everywhere. So, so come on down and visit us. All right, very good. Get out of my house. Get out of my, my, my podcast. However you did this, I'm going to have to uh, clearly uh, do security. Uh, like, I'm going to have to take a shower after being on your podcast, Mike. I'll um, see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> DrupalCon Minneapolis 2020 will be here before you know it. It takes place May 18th through 22nd. And today I want to talk to you for a minute about staying at a DrupalCon Partner Hotel. Now, there's a few really good reasons why you want to stay at a DrupalCon Partner Hotel. So let me run them down quickly. Uh, number one, they tend to be very close to the venue. Uh, I don't think there's ever been an official hotel that you cannot walk to and from the venue from. So the fact that they're close to the venue and you don't have to worry about um, hopping on public transportation or taking a, um, a car or something like that, that's a huge benefit. Uh, number two, they tend to be where a lot of other Drupal folks hang out and stay. So you're bound to run into people you know in the lobby, in the gym, to and from the convention center. Number three, by staying at one of the hotels, you're helping out the Drupal community. Um, some of that money gets funneled back to the Drupal Association in some manner. So uh, staying at one of the partner hotels is uh, helpful. And finally, it's, they're usually fairly good deals. They're usually very nice hotels. We get a bit of a discount on them. They always have free in-room Wi-Fi, and they usually have really nice facilities. And forget about usually, they always have really nice um, facilities. So check them out. You can go to DrupalCon.org to reserve uh, a hotel room for DrupalCon Minneapolis. Now, there's, I think, a total of six hotels available. They uh, range in price from about $200 on up, and they're all within a half a mile. So what's that? Maybe 10 minutes uh, uh, walking tops. 
So head on over to DrupalCon.org, and we will see you at DrupalCon Minneapolis. I'm with Mauricio Dinarte. Mauricio, welcome to the Drupal Easy Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Mike, for the invite. Sure. So we have talked about, um, we've gone back and forth on email for a few months here about getting you on the podcast to talk about this series of migration blog posts that you did. So I want to start there with you. Um, uh, you took it upon yourself and to basically write what you call 31 days of Drupal migrations, you know, a blog post um, a day for 31 days uh, covering all different aspects of migrating into Drupal. What was the uh, genesis for this for you? So the back of the story is that at Agaric, we have been presenting trainings at different events. And one of those trainings was uh, on migrations. And the idea is that I wanted to dump all that knowledge into text format for easier consumption. And this series was like the end result of that. In the end, I cover way, way more than was expected. And along the way, I learned so much. So it was it was a nice experience. Yeah, I have a feeling folks who do migrations, uh, Drupalit migrations like yourself and myself and a lot of others, uh, I always learn something new uh, during any migration project that I do. It, there's there's so many different wrinkles to it, and the way you can mix and match process plugins to achieve different results. I, I find that no two migrations are ever the same, and I'm I'm always kind of expanding my skill set. Yeah, that's always the case. New ways to you know to to mix and match. So you mentioned that these um, blog posts came out of your training. So I think we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't mention that you will be leading the Drupal 8 content migration uh, workshop at DrupalCon Minneapolis. Correct. So Agaric is um, leading two workshops there. One is introduction to Drupal migrations as the general API. And the second one is focused specifically on going from Drupal 6 or 7 to Drupal 8 slash 9, which is mostly the same API. So the idea is that, you know, Drupal can be in the, you know, the opportunity to learn and level up your skills. Like in two days, you would go from zero to being able to do, you know, your own migration projects. So, yeah, so I was going to ask you that. I was kind of assuming it, but I think you just answered the question. So there are two days of training. Some trainings are on Monday. Some trainings are on Tuesday of DrupalCon week. I guess that's May 18th and May 19th. And I think you just confirmed that your trainings are not on the same day. They're on two different days. So if somebody wanted to take both days, they could. Yes. The first one is like if you have never worked with migrations ever, if you have never written a line of PHP, you can take that and you will learn how to migrate from different sources like CSV and JSON files into different destinations, you know, different type of entities and the like. And the second one, which is going to happen on Tuesday of the conference, that is like if you have a six or seven site and you want to move it over to Drupal eight or nine, uh, that's the one you take. Or you can take both if you know if if you want to go from zero to you know to a lot. Yeah, <laughs> zero to a lot, exactly. 
So, um, yeah, and if someone wants to sign up for those, you just go to DrupalCon.org and um, register for those uh, through the normal DrupalCon uh, website channels. All right. right. So let's talk about, let's say someone is not fortunate enough to have taken one of your classes or cannot attend you know, these workshops at DrupalCon and they're kind of on their own and they've just been handed this project where they have to, let's say, migrate um, some, let's say something simple like CSV data, you know, data from a CSV file or an Excel spreadsheet into Drupal 8. Um, where should they start? Like, what's the first thing that someone new to Drupal migrations should do? You know, let's assume they know they know about Drupal 8, they understand content types and fields and things like that. But if you're brand new to Drupal 8 migrations, like where do you go? What do you start with? So my recommendation, that is what I did uh, myself, is going to the official documentation. The Migrate API is one of the best documented core subsystems. So that's like a good way to start. And in addition to that, you know, part of of writing this series of blog posts, the 31 days of migration was to be able to distill the content that, you know, all those roadblocks that I have hit over over the years going through different projects, to put them in a format that, uh, you know, you go from knowing nothing, uh, understanding the basic concepts and building on top of each other. So at the end you have, uh, you have the knowledge to to do migrations and in the series, I cover, you know, different sources like CSV, JSON file, XML files, Google Sheets, Excel, and LibreOffice Calc documents, and also like into different um, destinations like user, entities, node entities, paragraph, taxonomy terms. So it's basically uh, 31 days where I take you they take your hand and teach one concept each day in one of the blog posts, and they build on top of each other so you understand the whole picture. Yeah, what I really like about your series is um, the the first the first two blog posts are I think are, are you know probably more helpful than, than you can imagine because I think there's folks out there who are handed a Drupal 8 migration project and don't know where to start and don't really understand like how migrations work. And your first two blog posts um, really just lay out the groundwork without getting very technical. Um, the first one is just understanding, you know, this is called the ETL or the extract, transform, and is it load for the L? I think load is. Yes, yeah, yeah load process. Yeah, so extract the data, transform the data, and then load the data into the destination. And just to understand that process and to understand that that's what the migration system does. There's there's you know this thing called sources that extracts data from either a CSV file or a Drupal 7 database. And then you have the the ability to transform the data. And we do that in this thing that you know a lot of people call the, the migration pipeline. And then once you tram- transform the data, you have to load it into the destination, which is, you know, in the vast majority of cases, since we're talking about Drupal 8 migrations, it's going to be Drupal 8, obviously soon to be Drupal 9. But just wrapping your head around like those pieces, you know, the, the source, the, the, the pipeline, and then the destination, uh, only once you kind of understand that can you start understanding the technical parts of the migrate migrate api and start looking at a migration configuration and being able to understand what it's you know what those configuration files are telling you um and then the second blog post you get you jump right in uh, uh um 
in writing your first Drupal migration. Um, a pretty simple example, as it should be, but so often, you know, I stumble upon blog posts, you know, all the time that are talking about migration, and there's a lot of assumed knowledge that goes into a lot of those blog posts, and to have something so well written from um, from almost like an absolute beginner level is 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 really helpful. Um, other than your uh, your blog posts, I mean, are there other online resources that you would recommend for beginners to go to? Yes, uh, in the series, I you know on the specific topics, I I mentioned different resources. Uh, for example, Zuckerwench Tess Finn, she has a few years back also reading about the same subject. You yourself um, have written blog posts and there are some recordings. There is one particular one that I always refer to where you talk about different strategies for migrating from Drupal 7 to Drupal 8. Right. And the one that I remember is like the whole enchilada, but I like there are four different strategies. And that's a, a good one to understand like the approach. Um, Lucas Heading, which is one of the migrate maintainers, his company, Mtech, he also writes about that. And he has a very useful blog post about estimating Drupal projects. And, you know, it depends on how you learn. And that's why, you know, uh, I wanted to start this series because some people learn by video, some people learn by text. So, you know, looking looking around. That's one of the, the interesting things that, and it's one of the, I guess, the confusing bits about uh, what's in Drupal core, because there is a you know a migrate upgrade path from Drupal seven and Drupal six into Drupal eight that comes with core, and it's it's got a little UI and hit a button, um, but that's often not what people want, right? People, yes. you know, because that that brings everything, including like all of your content types and your and your field configuration. So any information architecture problems you had in Drupal seven, if you use that pathway, you now have them in Drupal eight. What most people want, at least in my experience, and I, I'm going to assume in your experience, is they want to be able to build out their information architecture in Drupal eight, and then migrate their their content and transform it to fit that new information architecture. And that's not something that Core provides. That's something that you have to write yourself. Yes, there are a couple of ways to make that easier. And this is part of what we cover in, in the trainings. But to give a summary, um, there is a module called Migrate Operate that you can execute some Drush commands and it will you know, do those, that automatic uh, process and generate the migration files both for content and for configuration. But as you mentioned, you very likely want a different site architecture. So you, for the most part, can drop the configuration and only keep the migrations related to content. And then you start modifying those configuration files. For example, if you want to go from user content type to user entities, you basically change the destination in the uh, destination plugin and the source mapping. So that's how you can go from one place to another without having to write everything from scratch. Right, right, right. All right, so let's um, next question, and this is kind of a blue sky question for you, um, and doesn't have to be geared towards beginners, but knowing what you know now, if um, what would you consider like your two or three like main tips? Like, what are things that you've learned that you think you can 
help people with by, by passing knowledge. One thing that has helped me a lot um, is like finding a good example similar of what I want to do and then modifying that example to do what I want to do. So instead of trying to start from scratch, you know, take something that exists, make sure that it works as intended and then adjust it uh, so it works in the way that I need. Similar to that is that once it is working the way I expect, I intentionally break it to familiarize myself with the errors that are produced. Because a lot of times when working with migrations, there are a lot of subsystems that are in place. For example, being able to read YAML files. If you have a missing space or an extra wide space, that can break the whole project. And it might not be something necessarily direct, uh, related to migrations, but to how you wrote the YAML file. Or sometimes, you know, making intentional changes in, in how I write the files. So once I familiarize myself with the errors, I and then I, you know, stumble upon them unintentionally, I am somewhat familiar with you know what I see because again the migration API touches so many other layers of Drupal that you know the error might come from from many different places. Um, probably the last tip is being able to configure and use a debugger. Like if if you just like step through the whole process, um, that's how I wrote a lot of the articles. Just like understand, you know, step by step basically what the Migrate API is doing so you can fully understand what's happening under the hood. Yeah, uh, blog post number 29 is how to configure xDebug with PHP yes. Storm. So, no, that absolutely uh, super valuable. Um, uh, your, your first tip, absolutely. Sit, sitting down and staring at a blank YAML file and trying to write a migration uh, seems like crazy town to me. Um, I'm I'm with you 100%. I almost always start from by copying another migration, either you know from somewhere online or something I've done in the past. Um, kind of along the same lines as that, I will normally um, remove everything except for the source and destination and like maybe like the title field. And I will make sure that like the simplest of migrations of just my just migrating the the title field works. Um, and that will help me get familiar with importing, rolling back, and then adding a second field and getting the mapping for that field and maybe the process, the pipeline configure for that field. And then, then again, migrate a few records in, check them, roll them back, and then add another field. So I'm very methodical um, about that. But I, it sounds like um, you're advocating close to the same thing as far as by starting with an example. That would be maybe my fourth tip is like going one field at a time yeah. and committing uh, every every success, you know, every field that you successfully uh, imported, commit a change because as you make progress, you will have, you know, 10 different fields. And if something breaks, you don't want to guess in which of the 10. Right. If you have that record of, you know, up to this point, things were working, you can just, you know, go back to that specific point and then move forward. And even some fields like they can have multiple configurations. You can go to the level of mapping subfields, for example, and committing that. But just like going step by step and not trying to do everything at once, because if something breaks, you will, you will not know where it broke. Yeah, the the ability to just, you know, 
import a few records and then roll them back. I mean, that's that's migration. When I'm working on a migration project, I am constantly importing, you know, doing a MIM or migrate import drush command with a limit of maybe five records and checking the results and then rolling right back and adding another field. And um, that's kind of the cadence. Great. So uh, another source of confusion um, and you, you have a one, I don't know which blog post exactly. I'd have to look through these real quick. I have them in front of me, but um, is to use migrate plus or to not use migrate plus. Do you have strong yes. feelings one way or the other? Um, I think it is very much needed, but uh, in my series, that is the 21st blog post. So I covered two thirds of the series without, without using the module. And that was intentional. And the idea is, understand what the core API provides and then what these extra modules, you know, the Migrate ecosystem gives you. So Migrate Plus does a lot of things, a lot of wonderful things, um, one of which uh, is being able to manage your migrations as configuration entities. And basically with that comes a couple of things. For one, you have a UI. So if you want to run the migrations, roll back the migrations through administration interface, you can do that. But also because it is using configuration entities, all the ecosystem of modules around CMI, which is configuration management, is at your disposals. For example, if you want to override some API keys um, from one environment to the other, because this is just configuration, you could use the migrate split uh, module for that. And there are ways to go about that without using migrate plus or configuration entities, but understanding the difference between the two and that is laid out in the blog post is uh, goes a long way of you know how uh, how to write migrations and what tools are available uh, for you to use. Yeah that one of the very uh, yeah sorry one of the very first things is that uh, where the files are located uh, either a slash migration or a config style inside your custom module. Uh, that's you know one of the very first things that if something is not working, then know what type of migrations you are you are writing. Yeah, no, that's spot on um, with all of that. I often um, run into folks who don't like Migrate Plus because they don't realize that they should be using config devel at the same time. Um, and that's my dog waking up behind me. So you hear her shaking around back there. Um, but when you're using Migrate Plus, your configurations are all in the config slash install directory, and those aren't automatically loaded every time you make a change. Um, but if you use a config devel module, you can you can set can set up config devel to automatically import your your migration changes with every page load. So you know obviously that's something you only want to do during development. But that's for me. That's usually the aha moment when I'm showing people how to do migrations. And you know, they've been frustrated with Migrate Plus because they, they have to like disable the module and re-enable every time they make a change. And that's that's just silly. So yeah, Migrate Plus is a good thing. Yeah, and for Migrate Plus, for example, you can use, um, there is a drush command for partially importing uh, configuration and you could use that to reload the configuration from your module. But the point being, when you make the change with Migrate Plus, you need to do a re of the configuration. If you're not using that, 
uh, you just rebuild your caches and that is enough for the system to detect the changes. All right. So last thing for um, folks who aren't keeping up with uh, core development, is there anything new with the Migrate API? And let's say maybe the past, you know, say with since 8.5 or 8.6 or, or something like that. Like what's what's new that uh, to the Migrate API that hasn't been there the whole time that you're excited about? Well, the biggest uh, initiative in inside migrations is being able to uh, have automatic upgrade path for multilingual sites. Oh. So that is being actively worked on at the moment. And it is my understanding that it is going to be released in the current state uh, with an AC stable you know, point release. And, and then, you know, if there are any loose ends, they will be refined. But basically, uh, that was the missing part. That was the one thing that was missing for, you know, doing a full migration from seven to eight was the multilingual support. And that is shipping very soon. Uh, yeah, it's a big one. Other things that, yeah, that's that's a lot of work. A quiet one uh, from New Zealand. She she has been amazing, you know, moving that forward. Um, there are other changes, uh, you know, some big, some small. Something small that landed in 8.8 .8 was a new process plugin that allows you to basically have a calls operation from MySQL. And, you know, it might seem very simple, but it's, you can use that to simplify your process change. For example, recently we presented um, a training and there was a question about, you know, if you want to import an image and you want to have a default one, if none is available in the source, what do you do? One way to do it is just have a, you know, multi-step process plugin that takes into account, you know, having some source or some default and, you know, doing some uh, massaging of the data, or you can use a plugin similar to this, which simplifies your workflow a lot. So, you know, the big and the small things are um, are interesting, and the Migrate API is always evolving. Uh, one catch, though, is that because it is always moving, sometimes things break for different reasons. For example, um, different version of Drush um, and different modules do not necessarily evolve at the same time. As of right now, uh, Migrate Upgrade, which is the tool for helping with your you know, upgrade process, doesn't work with Drush 10, only with Drush 9. And it was recently announced that Drush 9 is going end of life and the end of May. So you know we need to do the work to upgrade this module to support Drush 8 uh, very soon. Uh, sometimes some flags, for example, for you know running dependencies or limiting the number of items that you import in one go, or if you want to update existing entities, you know those flags that you can pass for the my import import operation. Sometimes they break more momentarily between versions or releases, and just you know that's that's the state of things. You need to. Uh, keep up and be able to work around that the two ways to that i recommend to you know keeping up with the latest things is um going to the drupal change records and look for migrate and that's a list of you know the api changes in the system and the other one is going to pound my migrate in slack the migrate maintainers are actually very very active and supportive so asking your questions there is usually, usually a good place to start. 
Right. And I don't want to scare people too much. It's not as bad as it sounds. As long as you're, as long as you're using up-to-date, you know, like Migrate Plus and Migrate Tools and that, and that things are, and that's up-to-date, um, you're, you're, it's fairly unlikely that you're going to run into too many uh, incompatibility issues. I think that's fairly safe to say, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I'm just like saying some things that might happen, but the API is very solid. It has been stable for years. And, and what you're referring to really, you know, in my experience, that really only happens when there's like a point release where something changes. Yes. So, you know, as you go from 8, uh, 8.8 to 8.9, maybe something, you know, maybe one of the supporting contrib modules will lag by a day or two. I think that's the that's the extent, of, at least the worst that I've seen. Uh, and and that is another thing that is important to understand is like, you know, the error that I might be experiencing, experiencing where does it come from? For example, uh, migrate source CSV, which is the module to read from CSV file a few months ago released a new version. And with that new version came a lot of new features, but also some breaking changes. So if you don't notice that you updated, upgraded the module to the latest version, but didn't update it, your configuration file, it will not work out of the box. So, you know, you need to keep in mind of all the modules that you're using and how you're mixing them, because sometimes the error is not in the core API itself, but in a, a country module that you might be leveraging. Very good. Very good. All right. So if you are interested in checking out Mauricio's blog post, you can go to understanddrupal.com slash migrations. And I understand that a lot of these blog posts are going to be translated in the near future to uh, Spanish. Is that correct? Yes, and French as well. Spanish and French, fantastic. Yeah, my brother and I started this educational project last year. Basically, we want to you know, share what we have learned over the years. And myself, not being a native English speaker, I have experienced firsthand the language barrier of not knowing a different language. So we wanted to, you know, lower this barrier by providing content in multiple languages and in multiple formats. So in addition of the translations, we have plans to provide books if you, you know, prefer to read on the go, and also uh, video tutorials if you, like me, learn by video as well. All right, fantastic. Mauricio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and thanks for all your hard work in helping uh, myself and a lot of other community members in um, understanding migrations. Thank you very much for the time. MyDropWizard.com if you have a Drupal 6, 7, or even a Drupal 8 site, and you do not want to be the person in charge of maintaining it, keeping modules up to date, keeping core up to date, and all that sort of thing, then you should talk to the folks at mydropwizard.com. They offer basic maintenance plans for Drupal 6, 7, and 8, especially if you have a Drupal 7 site, you should be paying attention to this one. Um, Drupal 7 is going to be end of life pretty soon, and you want to make sure that, that site stays up and stays secure. That's what MyDropWizard.com can do for you. For a low monthly fee, they start at about $99. MyDropWizard.com will help keep your core, Drupal core, and uh, contributed modules up to date. They will help you keep the site online. They will answer support questions for core and popular contrib modules, 
and they will even perform basic one-off maintenance tasks. Things like fixing up a view or you know, making a CSS tweak or something like that. If you are in the position where you don't want to have to maintain your Drupal uh, 7 site anymore, then you should definitely give the folks at mydropwizard.com. All plans include a complimentary site audit, a 24-hour response time, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. So it's worth your time to check them out. Just go to mydropwizard.com. Thanks for listening to Drupal Easy Podcast, episode 223. In case you're interested in Drupal Easy's 12-week, three-half-day-a-week, best-practice-focused training program called Drupal Career Online, that begins on February 24th. I believe this is our 15th semester. It's crazy. If you want to hear more about it, um, you can join us at a free Taste of Drupal webinar on February 19th. You can get more information at drupaleasy.com dco. In addition, we have monthly DDEV workshops, the next one being Tuesday, March 3rd, also at drupaleasy.com DDEV. I wrote a book on DDEV. You can pick up that up on Amazon or go to drupaleasy.com for more information. Florida Drupal Camp. Coming up February 21st, 22nd, 23rd. On February 21st, I'll be giving a full-day Composer Basics workshop, so you can sign up for that. And on Wednesday, March 18th, I will be giving the same Composer Basics workshop at MidCamp in Chicago. And finally, I'll be giving the Introduction to Module Development workshop at DrupalCon Minneapolis in May. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next Drupal Easy podcast. See ya!